0: This is Emmanuel Today, taking steps toward God's possible in your life. It's now time for you to sit back and prepare for insights on your walk with Christ. Let's join today's message right now.
1: Good morning, everyone. Merry Christmas. Oh, you can do better than that. Merry Christmas. How are you feeling today? Feeling good? Feel? Did you get enough sleep? Did you eat enough? Did you smile enough? Did you give enough hugs? Smiles and gifts. There's so many great things about a time like this this year. This is the last Sunday of 2021. And uh, as we look back over our shoulders, there have been so many great things that have happened this year. When I think about my story and Jody and I and our family and all of the various contours of a year, Man, it's been just amazing. God is always, always faithful. And I know this, he's not done. There's still good things that are ahead, and so we're kind of in that pause moment between years after Christmas and before New Year's. And I want to just say thank you for joining us, whether you're in Maple Grove, Elk River, Spring Lake Park, or Lakeville, or you're online and you're joining us in your PJs today at home. It's just amazing that we all get to be together as a church family, we've been in this series called What's in a Name, and this will be the final of the message. The title of my message is Connecting the Dots, Connecting the Dots. How many of you have had like random things going on in your life, and you're like, this just doesn't make sense. Why am I going through this? Where am I at? Where am I going next? And when we're in those seasons of time, it can feel as though sometimes like we're insignificant, like we're lost, and or unnoticed and maybe good things aren't gonna happen and we get worried at times or maybe we get discouraged. I want you to hear today that the story of Christmas shows us that God knows how to put things together and he does it a long long time before we think. There was a plan much bigger than what we can see. As a matter of fact, God is not done He is up to something, come on somebody. Back to turn to somebody next to you and say, God is not done with you, he is up to something. He is up to something. Let's look at one last time this year at the story of Jesus' birth in Luke chapter two. It says this, at that time, the Roman emperor, Augustus, decreed that a census should be taken throughout the Roman Empire. This was the first census taken when Quirinius was the governor of Syria. All returned to their own ancestral towns to register for this census. And because Joseph was a descendant of King David, he had to go to Bethlehem in Judea, David's ancient home. And he traveled there from the village of Nazareth in Galilee, and he took with him Mary, to whom he was engaged, who was now expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for her baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, I have uh, this white bird up here today that I wanted to use just because I like to, uh, use it once in a while, and, uh, and I want you to think in terms of time, people, individuals. That This particular story, Luke chapter two and Jesus' birth, like a dot, a moment in time, an individual, and it can feel as though in this particular story that this is just a kind of an isolated story, only about one individual. But I, I, I wanna assure you today that this one dot moment in time in history means everything to all of our dots. And there are moments that in your life you feel like you're a random dot, unnoticed, lost, kind of going along with the wind, But God has a way of seeing everyone in the whole world and he notices you and he notices what you're walking through. You may not understand it now, but looking back, you can see the hand of God on your life. As Pastor Dwight Deniz, my predecessor here at the church used to say, life is best lived looking forward and understood looking backward. See, the truth is is that God had a plan all along. As 1 Peter says, it says, for you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom when? Long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake In other words, before all of your life, God had a plan for you. I love what Psalm 139 says, is that while we were in our mother's womb, God was shaping and forming us, preparing a plan for our lives. And the truth is, at times, we can feel like, well, maybe God did have a plan, but I wrecked it. Or somebody else messed it up. Or somewhere along the line, it seems as though God's plan wasn't as strong as the world's plan. But I want you to know, before all of the stuff you've gone through, God had a plan for you, and he, he knows how to work it all out for your good. There is a truth about this. Now, before time began, there was a plan. That means that God knew that way back in Genesis, that there would be a moment after creation with Adam and Eve, that the sin would come into the world. You know, before, before or, uh, there was sin, Adam and Eve were in relationship. In a sense, they were dots that were connected to God. So Adam and Eve, they're connected to God. Their whole world revolved around him. In the garden they had jobs and responsibilities, but the scripture says that they walked and talked with God. They had fellowship or relationship with God, and they were connected. But what happened was, everybody said what happened was, (laughs) what happened was is now sin came into the world. And when sin came into the world, I have a little eraser here. When sin came into the world, now God was outside their circle. Now they were walking randomly on their own. Maybe they had their own different universe. In fact, Adam and Eve were fighting for the first time. Before that, they had the perfect marriage. Everything was in unity. But after sin came into the picture, how many know sin messes relationships up? And I'm not just talking about husbands and wives, but it messes up all of our relationships. Sin is a mess, but Jesus can turn a mess into a message, right? And the truth is, as you look at the Old Testament to the New Testament, there's all kinds of amazing things. This is why I am committed to preaching the Word of God. You could look at a random verse or a random story of an individual in the Bible all the way through the Bible, and you could think, oh, that's just an isolated story, But that's not true, because as a matter of fact, when you look at different random stories throughout the scripture, you'll see things like a guy named Abraham. Abraham was just a dot in a story and maybe a good epic movie or two in it. A trilogy, if you will, okay? And maybe, maybe that was a good story, but the reality is hidden within his story, as he learned to discover God, he started off as a pagan. He had idols in his house. He had to get rid of his idols. God says, I want you to go yonder. And on the journey, he begins to hear the voice of God, and he was the first person of faith. Hebrews says he was the father of faith. There a there is a storyline to him. Over his many decades, he believed God's promise. God said that he would have a son. In fact, not only would he have one, but his descendants would be as numerous as the seashore the stars in the sky, and so he believed that even though in his own life he didn't experience it, and at different points of his life, if you follow Abraham's story, you'll discover he had reason to give up on God. Well, the promise hasn't come true yet, and I've just gone through this pain and all this experience, but he persevered and had faith, and because he did, he had a son, And that son eventually had a son who had multiple sons, who had multiple sons, became the nation of Israel. Eventually, that would lead to the the genealogy of Jesus. So you see, each individual storyline has a bigger thing going on than just what we see. Or think about somebody like Moses. Moses was another dot. Moses was just this kid born in a, foreign land, he was an immigrant in Egypt as an Israelite, and Moses, his mom and dad believed and loved him, and they wanted to save his life, because they were killing all the firstborn males in the land, and they were going to lose their son, so to rescue him, they put him in a basket out in the Nile River, where all of the animals and the elements could have killed him, but they trusted God with their baby. Much as people that give up their child for adoption give up their child so they can live, hey, let's give it up for all the birth moms that have trusted and given up. Instead of abortion, they were able to say, hey, I'm going for it. That's what happened with Moses. And Moses, Moses now grows up in, in Pharaoh's household. He's rescued and he grows up around all this privilege and all this opportunity. But somewhere along the line, he recognized I'm not like everybody else. And as he became a teenager, a young man, he began to look around at the world around him and he saw his own people being mistreated. The injustice and the pain. And it was so strong, he didn't know what to do with it. And the rage uh, grew in him so strong that he ended up killing a guard. Now he lives in Pharaoh's household, but he kills a guard. He knows he's in trouble at this point. So he runs for his life, gets thrown into witness protection out into the the desert. And here Moses is out there, finds a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing, Scripture says. And his wife's father, Jethro, becomes a really pivotal figure in his story as he gains wisdom. And then God calls Moses back to become the leader of Israel, to lead them out of slavery, out of Egypt. And I want you to know that while he was going through his story, even his inappropriate response, murder, did not cancel God's plan for the future. There was a story ahead of them. Or what about somebody like Rahab? Rahab was a, a prostitute, not even an Israelite, living in a foreign land and, and not living as most of us want our daughters to live. And Rahab You'd think she's just an insignificant story, but because the Bible shows that she's a part of the story and we get to read it, that she saves Israel in a sense and and puts the the scarlet over the side of the wall and it becomes part of this greater story of Jericho's fall. And I want you to know that Rahab, even though she didn't understand in her moment, she felt insignificant potentially because she embraced the possibility of God in her story, now all of a sudden a greater story happened through her. And the same possibility is there for you and for me. That if in the middle of our struggle, in the middle of our pain, in the middle of our uncertainty, we trust that God has a bigger plan, He can help us walk through anything and greater things will happen not only through us but through our kids and their kids. Come on somebody. We can dream big like that and then eventually of course you got the stories of of Joseph and Mary by the time we get to Luke chapter 2 and in, in, in their stories you just see hidden individual pathways. Joseph wants to be an honorable man. He finds out that this girl that he's engaged to is already pregnant. And in that culture, that meant bad things for him too, a stain on his reputation. But he hears from God and God sends this angel to him and he embraces it and says, okay, I'll go the the hard route. And some of us, we've been associated with others that have made mistakes, but we haven't abandoned them because God's called us to love them. And he did that, and Mary, of course, who has a pure heart, discovers that she's pregnant. Who's gonna understand that? And yet she trusts God and believes God that there's a bigger picture involved. And of course, we talked about how she sings this song out to God. There's an intimate connection with God. She trusts him, and she trusts him enough for for God to connect all the dots that they can't see. And that's what we have to learn to do. To connect the dots, we have to trust that God can do it. But he has to be our center. We have to trust him to be our center. Now, um, when I worked at North Central University, my my mentor, Dr. Gordon Anderson, was the president of the university. And while he was there, he would always give this orientation every year to new students, freshmen, and their parents. And in it, he described what the word uh, university meant. University means the many revolving around the one. So uni, you might think of of unity. Um, But university is the many revolving around the one. And when he would give the talk, he would talk about education history. And did you know that the church started the first schools and universities? The church, because of what Jesus did in Christians in world history, started the first hospitals, cared for people. And so all of those great institutions, even things like the American Red Cross and other things, you see these great institutions. They started with a beginning uh, coming out of the heart of God. And when Dr. Anderson would talk about university, he would give the story about how physically the buildings were built on college campuses in the 15, 1600s. And all of the various disciplines on the campus were kind of arranged around a center. And so you could have arts and sciences, you could have education, math, literature, whatever disciplines that are, are out there, but in the center of those universities was the seminary or the School of Theology. And, and what they would do is they would say, in our course of studies, we need to chase information, go for the best, discover truth, research, but it's gotta be surrounding a core of faith. And if that is there, we trust that somehow all of this won't spin out of control. That the center is really a big deal that sense of faith and trust. I don't think God is anti-science. I'm appreciative of people that are engineers and people that have chased education in such a way with their careers for science. They're trying to discover how God did it. All right? And they might be right sometimes and they may be wrong sometimes, but thank you. Much of modern medicine is the result of good things that have come out of that. But here's what's happened in the centuries over time, and it's sped up over the last 100 years. Over the last 100 years, something has happened. Theology has moved outside, and we've lost the center. And as soon as you don't have the core of the Creator's design in the middle pulling things together, that tension, that balance, then everything spins out of control. And it's all unto itself. It's doing its own thing. It's exactly what scripture talks about. Each one doing what is right in their own eyes. Woe unto those who call evil good and good evil. And now we have full blown in our society, a society without a center, without a sense of values, We've chased money and building of careers and buying things, but without a core, without a center holding it together, it begins to hurt people, and it destroys relationships, just like in the garden when Adam and Eve lost the father. Marriages come unraveled when they don't have Jesus at the center because we need him, because I'm selfish. Newsflash. We want what we want. We want to serve ourselves. But when we do that, we can hurt other people. We no longer care about other people. But Jesus in me changes me so that I love and sacrifice instead of destroy and use. Come on, somebody. And so if we're going to understand how to connect our own dots, it's gonna require us keeping Jesus at the center of our lives. We have to have him at the center. Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. It ends in death. Ephesians chapter 1 says this, and this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. And furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance with God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know what the the storyline of your life is and what it looks like. I don't know, you know, on on a weekend like this, perhaps you were drugged to church by somebody to come or you joined us online. I don't know what your purposes were. but I don't even know what all's going on, but whatever your dot is and wherever you're at, I can't explain what's back here. I don't know what's already happened, and maybe you can't explain it either. And furthermore, when you think forward, what's my life look like? What's the trajectory of our family? What's gonna happen to our society? All the big concerns. If you're going to be able to have connect your dot with hope, you've got to connect yourself to the one who had a plan all along, and his name is Jesus. You have to connect him. Jesus is the dot that connects all of the dots. He's the one that does that. Now, I'm gonna give you three ways anyone can connect the dots of their life. No matter where you are, what you're walking through three ways that you can connect the dots of your life. Number one, stop, drop, and look. Stop, drop, and look. Now, how many you remember the fire drill training we received? Stop, drop, and roll. Which just simply says if there's a fire going on, there's smoke, you're disoriented, you don't know what to do, Aware to step, you don't want to go in the wrong direction. How many know sometimes people make stupid decisions in the middle of a crisis? So, in the middle of a crisis of a fog, they tell you to stop, don't be bewildered, don't be erratic, then drop. Everybody said drop. Okay, so dropping means you get below the smoke level, you get to a level where there might be some oxygen left. And in spiritual terms, if you stop in the middle, whatever it is that you're going through, and you drop and you humble yourself before God, something powerful can happen. You have an orientation that God can speak into. Humility says, I don't see it. Your ways are higher than my ways. I bow to you, O Lord. I love what Hebrews chapter 12 says. It says, we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith because of the joy awaiting him. He endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So while you're down there, you have stopped and you dropped. Now look up to see Jesus. Jesus, I don't know how to make it through this. It doesn't make sense. I don't know how to get this thing all working together, but I'm looking to you. And Hebrews says, he endured the cross. It's scorn and it's suffering. Jesus endured rejection and rebellion. Jesus endured all of those things so that He could persevere all the way. And of course, Hebrews also says, it was for the joy set before him. He saw something on the other side of the cross for us. And when we get on our knees and we embrace Jesus in our stories, we stop, drop, and we look to him, something powerful can happen in our future because we're positioning ourselves for him to connect the dots. Secondly, If you want the dots to connect in your life, let Jesus be your center, not just your number one. Let Jesus be your center, not just your number one. Colossians chapter three, verse 16. Let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, Do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. Let Jesus be your center, not just your number one. The scripture really points us towards filling our lives with his truth. How many know we live in toxic air in 2021 and moving into 2022? We live in the air of confused truth false and fake information and fake news. They're even changing definitions of things now about identity and humanity and relationships. It's basically whatever you make up is okay. But the result of that pathway is running around crazy in the smoke. It isn't necessarily going to help people. People just get burnt. But if we can learn to stop and drop and look to Jesus and recognize his truth is better than what I have out there. And we lean into the word of God and what his word says, and this is why I'm gonna encourage you, jump in on the Bible in one year this next year. Give it your best. Doesn't mean you have to make it every single day, but do your best. we use the Bible in one year app, and we go through it as a church. We're gonna do it again this year. Nikki Gumbel, the founder of Alpha, does a great job of daily devotions. You can listen to it. I want to encourage you, even if you don't use that one, do something because you got to fill your mind and your heart with the truth of heaven in order to have the clarity when you step up in the smoke and knowing where to go. And when it comes to the the list of your life if you will. Many people the challenge is the challenge is is that we'll say Jesus is my number one. And we smile Number one, but here's the challenge. In our busy world, number two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, and 10, job, friendships, finances, Kids, sports, vacations, school, and you go, the list can go on and on and on. Here's the challenge. Many times the accumulation of all these things outweighs number one. Let's just be honest. It's pretty hard. you know. I've watched over time, I remember when Jody and I, um, when our boys were younger and we have four sons, those of you who don't know us, and and each of our our sons were involved in sports. We had football and basketball and there was always an on-season and there was traveling and they're expected to be at practice and we were given this kind of, maybe they didn't say it directly, but if we wanted our kids to play in high school, then they had to go to all the practices and all the traveling. That was the, it was actually a lie that was put in us. And so we chased everything. We spent more money at more tournaments, at more snack shops, eating more terrible food in gyms. We spent whole weekends following our kids around, okay? And I, I coached, I love spending time with them But I can tell you this, that the pressure of that, I'm not even saying that was wrong, I'm, I'm glad we did much of it, but the pressure of that really pushed on us being a Christian family. It was really tough. I mean, I would do things like, well, if we're in another city, we're gonna find a church in that city and go to that church. I wasn't pastoring at the time, that would be kinda difficult today, right? Preaching to you from Mankato this week know, coming live from the bowels of Duluth or something. But here's, here's, here's my, my, my challenge. When I look at this, this is a really hard thing to do, and we're really tired, because we might feel like check, 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 and we're tired. And Jesus didn't offer us a tiring life. That's not what he came to give us. So instead of thinking of Jesus just as your number one, What if you thought of Jesus as your center? And all those other things come around it. Because you're praying to him to help you out. You want your kids to succeed. You want your family to do well. You want those things. But what if he was the center? You allow him to come in and change and help and lead you. What if instead, in the challenging season of your life, we've got many people in here that have physical challenges in their life or a loved one, and they're thrust into a new season and they don't know how to handle all the medical appointments and all of the extra financial decision making, and it can feel overwhelming. But Jesus said, cast your cares on me for I care for you. Take my burden and my yoke upon you. It's easy, and it's like, even in this season, you can make it and have clarity for the dots to connect, if you lean in and allow Jesus to be at the very core of who you are and the decisions that you make. And the scripture, it gives us different encouragement at different points, things like the tithe, the first 10 percent. That isn't meant to be an obligation like a tax. It's a way to keep your heart with Him at the center. It isn't isn't like kind of rules and do's and don'ts. It's about how do we have love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it's not some laborer's duty. It's how we live life. See, Adam and Eve, when they were in the garden, they lived their life with the Father, walking through their journey, processing with him, and because that, they had no cares in the world. Sin came in, and now all of a sudden, they felt like they had to do it themselves. And if their weakness was pointed out, they would blame each other. Adam said, it's the, the woman you gave me. And she's like, oh, thanks, throw me under the tree now. <laughs> See, that's where the challenges and the problems come in when we begin to look to others or ourselves as our source. No, Jesus is our source. He's the one we need to lean back into. He's the one that will help us navigate this parenting journey. He's the one that helps us in the grayer seasons of our life. When we don't know what to do, when the bills are bigger than than we know how to pay, when we don't know what to do with our career, our our relationships, we can trust him as our center. And it comes, comes down to this. When we learn to submit our daily life to him and let our daily life revolve around Jesus, He becomes the center, and he holds our whole world together. And he can connect the dots. Can I get an amen to that? Number three, center your life by yielding to Jesus in every stage of your life. Center your life. In other words, don't have a short-term perspective on this. Have a long-term perspective. I'm going to make good use of this board today. If you thought of your life as a timeline, not just one moment, and the timeline starts here and it goes here, you're a lot of different stages of your life. When you're five or you're 12, got any 12-year-olds in church today, uh, or you're 17. How many know your life was different at 17? the things you were thinking about are 27, or you're like, how are you coming up with these numbers? I'm literally making them up on the spot right now. Or maybe you're 36, or you're 62, or you're 78, or you're 100, and you still got life to live, come on. Here's the challenge. Sometimes when we're so close to the tree, we learned to trust him as a five year old and let him be the center. But as we got older, we discovered other ways of living, other places to depend on. It could be friends. When you go into middle school, you start caring more about what friends think about you than your parents. That's why middle school is brutal, right? But by the time you get to high school, you're here and you know your parents aren't very smart. And you wanna do whatever you see on Instagram or TikTok because their life looks really good. And then you go on a journey between 17 and 27. And in there is a whole bunch of discoveries of successes and failures. People that let you down. Things you thought were important that weren't so important. Decisions you made when you were 21 that you're paying for at 45. And now all of a sudden, you're going through here. Here's the deal. This is what I'm confident of, church. Every single one of us have to learn to recenter ourselves at every stage. Bring your life back around, revolving around the one, coming back around him and allowing him. When you fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher, the champion of our faith, Perspective comes into our story. We have clarity about what's going on. We have the capacity to trust and that he knows how to weave everything together for the good. Romans chapter eight, verse 26. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. He doesn't say that everything is gonna feel good all the time, that you'll never suffer. No, while you're in your suffering, You're looking to Jesus, who alone knows how to lead you to the next dot. But if you get stuck only focusing on what's bad and what's wrong, who hurt you, you get stuck on that dot for the rest of your life. We've got adults in our society who have never learned to forgive. And because of it, it continues to rob their future. But if you can follow Jesus' pathway of forgiveness, it won't change your past, it for sure will change your future and he can take you from one step to the next step. If you want to overcome and you want the joy of the Lord, which is our strength, and there's no way logically it can make sense, that's where Paul says, that's when we begin to pray in the spirit. Because the spirit knows how to do things in us we can't do on our own. His ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah says. There's a capacity to link into something that throws you up above the forest when you're stuck on the tree. And he can help you navigate what no one else can navigate. At the very end of the Bible in Revelation chapter three, Jesus said, look, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as what? Jesus is outside the door. I know you didn't expect to be here. Hey, hey, I hear you crying. You don't have to be angry. You're not alone. And he's waiting for you. Open the door. Because he's ready to come in. You know what a friend does that a police officer won't be able to do? A friend can sit down and just cry with you a friend can just join you be with you and the beauty of this friend is Jesus can walk you out into your future I love the old song that I sing when I was young Sunday school days he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands he's got the whole world in his hands, he's got the whole world in it. He's got you and me, brother. In his hands, he's got you and me, sister. In his hands, he's got you and me, family. In his hands, he's got the whole world in it. You know what we need to learn to do? is Take whatever our dot is, wherever we are. to look at it in our hands, if you will. In fact, open your hands up, just look at it right now. Once you consider all of life, the things you don't understand and the things you can't control, the things that are going on, the relationships. Maybe you have a friend, a loved one, a son or daughter that's not living right in their own way and their heart is cold. You don't know what to do about it. It's in your hands? Eh, it's tough. He needs you to open the door and put it in his hands. To let it go. In fact, wherever you are right now, I want you to think about where you're at and just take that world. Your eyes are open. You're thinking about what's in your hands. I want you to trust Jesus with your future. Let him connect your dots. Lift your hands up to heaven right now where you're at. Jesus, we just come before you right now and we trust you. Forgive us for trusting in other things, for being insecure. Forgive us of going down a pathway that you didn't call us to go down. Forgive us, Lord. We're trying to run it and fix it on our own. Lord, we don't want you just to be number one in our life. We want you to be the center of our life. We release our pain, our worries, our concerns, and we say we trust you, Jesus. We stop, we drop, and we look up, and we simply say, oh God, We're looking to you Jesus, you did it. You made it from dot to dot to dot all the way to the cross, into the tomb and then you resurrected. We know we can trust you. Even when authorities and institutions and governments let us down, there is one rock, one higher name than ours. And we look to you and we trust you. Take our concerns, our needs, we ask today Lord, you would take it from here, turn it around, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Would you stand with me today, church? Hallelujah, we're gonna sing together. Pastor Nathan will come up in a few moments. If you need to give your life to Christ, I wanna encourage you, you can do it. You can even talk to him right now and say, Jesus, I'm yours. We'll pray that prayer in a minute. We're also gonna have prayer at the end of the service. Our prayer teams are gonna come up in just a couple minutes. And I wanna encourage you, if you have any need in the dot of your life, take advantage of that moment and pray. But before we do that, let's like hit enter on the message and allow God to turn around. Just lift those hands back up to heaven. Begin to say, Jesus, I'm here right now, thank you. Thank you for carrying me up to this moment. Thank you in 2021, you have been faithful. Lord, you have done what I could not do. And turn in the corner and I trust you, you're gonna turn this thing around. Father,
2: you're worthy, God. I'm praying, come on. I'm praying, God, come and turn this thing around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. around. I'm calling on the name. I'm calling on the name. It changes everything. God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around, sing that again now, God, turn it around, God, turn it around, God, turn it around, and all of my hope is in the name, the name of Jesus, breakthrough will come, come in the name, the name of Jesus. I'm praying. Come on. I pray God come and turn this thing around. So God, turn it around. God, turn it around. God, turn it around. I'm calling on the name. Come on. I'm calling on the name. Yeah. The changes everything. Turn it around, God turn it around, God turn it around. Something, come on. He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something right now. Right now, He is up to something. He is up to something. God is doing something something. right now. Come on. Right now, He is healing someone. He is saving someone. God is doing something right now. Right now, He is healing someone. He is saving someone God is doing something He is healing come on right now He is healing someone He is saving someone God is doing something right now right now He is healing someone He is saving someone Turn it around God turn it around God turn it around in the name of Jesus hey. God turn it around God turn it around God turn it around
0: a great day. God is on the move, and I want to take a moment to celebrate those who just said yes to following Jesus, or maybe you're reconnecting with him in this Christmas season. As a church, we are so excited for you and would like to be much more than a video to you. If you're serious about taking these next steps of faith, we have resources available for you. If you text us the word Emmanuel to 313131, we can get those resources in your hand and get to know you and really travel on this uh, journey of faith together. We're so excited to do this with you. Two quick things before we go today. Uh, next week we are starting Growth Track to kick off 2022 in fashion. Growth Track is a class designed for you to discover your gifts, uncover what that purpose God has placed in your life what you are put on this earth to do, and really learn about who Emmanuel is as a church. If you are looking to serve, or if you're looking to get plugged in into community, Growth Track is a great next step for you, and next Sunday is the best Sunday to jump in. Uh, We're kicking off 2022 in style. Also, be on the lookout. We have a lot of resources coming in January, a new series, we got connect groups launching, we have 21 days of prayer and fasting, It is a game changer, a new fresh start for you and your faith. And we're excited to partner with you in that. I hope you have a great week. As always, let me pray for you as you go on with the rest of your day. Lord, thank you so much for everybody joining us. Lord, as we finish this year strong, let us look ahead to what vision you have for us in 2022. Lord, we trust you. Thank you for how you've provided for us this year. And we are so excited for what's ahead. Lord, thank you. We give you all the glory for today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen men. Thanks so much for joining us. We will see you again next year.